It's a foggy day in uh, Dandaran. Yeah, behind me here, it looks like it's blasted out because there's too much light, but that's just fog. Now you're a little off the mic for some reason. I don't know oh, why. It's just fog, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The fog? That. Fog. <laughs> yeah. fog is... You're saying the fog, fog has affected your mic technique? <laughs> That's a professional right. like yourself? The microphone, yes. Looks very soupy. Totally soupy. It's yeah. a foggy day. And yeah, I can't even see uh, past the dock there, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor. An back there and you can't see it. Yep. Um, I can't remember if either of you have seen that painkillers yet fred have you seen it or painkiller no and there's another one i started watching on uh the tv last night called dope sick i think i mentioned it all about this oxycontin oxycontin crisis in america aren't they both about that yes they're exactly there's just one is more yeah there's just different approaches to it but it's the same story it's just so much yeah it's scary, right? Yeah, it's really scary. It's, it's a story just, of, of greed, right? Yeah, it's a story of greed. It's also the story of a guy who thought, you know, the, initially it wasn't just about greed. It was somebody that thought they were going to change the world of pain management mm-hmm. by using opioids, which opio, opioids, opiates, opiates, <laughs> Fuck, sorry, opioids. <laughs> just you know one of those things where you say it out loud and it sounds like that's not right opiates anyway he that, that the idea was to use opioids opioids fuck opiates opiates in a way that they hadn't been used before uh in managing pain prior to this they'd only been used in end of life late stage cancer etc right yeah I had a conversation with my daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, over the weekend as I clear my throat, adding layers of sort of negativity. And um, that came up that, you know, with inflation and with uh, global warming and wildfires and uh, worrying about this and worrying about that, then sitting down in front of, you know, the telly t- to watch Netflix or Crave or whatever and choosing alarming or scary things on top of everything else maybe that could be a good outlet for comedy and fun and getting your mind off things and it really made me think for a minute it's like you know stuff like that is doesn't make you feel good when you watch it it's good to know that stuff i guess but i agree same with the excuse me fellas yeah it's okay i I, uh Dan, I can't see anybody anymore. You can't. I can hear you, and, and we're still recording. What's that? <laughs> What's that? You just go blind on the show. <laughs> can't see anything. Okay. Yeah, I just—it's uh, weird. Let me just turn this off and see what. Let me turn that. I don't know where. I don't I'm know where. Japanese. I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. I can't find you on my screen anywhere. So. That's weird. I got Zoom up. I can obviously we're still recording. Down in the left hand corner or right hand corner there. Did it is the icon drop down there or something? Mine does that when I click through stuff sometimes. I'm, I'm stumped. I mean, I'm shutting everything down here and I'm stumped as to where where it's gone. Can you do a command tab? 
see what comes up. Okay. Oh, this is riveting. Yeah. This well, is yeah. Is listen. Lately, better better than a weather report. Mm. Um, or I, I, here's what I think you should do while I'm doing this. Why don't you clear your throat some more? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's all about. Okay, there's Zoom. Oh, we might have oh, to. Yeah. Uh, we might have to because I I can't uh, if I can't. Well, there's got, there's a solution right in front of you. There's got to be. How did you? When did it go away? I well, I, I put. Here's what happened: was I went to uh, to load something up that was we were going to need. Oh, there. Hang oh, on I see. Okay. That we were going to need, and now I can't find you guys. Hmm. All right, let's start again. It's going to be a nice day today. <laughs> <laughs> it's foggy behind me. Is it foggy where you are? Oh, there yeah, you are. Is, You're back. Everybody's back. Here. Everybody's back. Okay. Guys, blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start the show before I lose you again. Here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Branton facility with a pool, and from a trailer in the Kawarthas across from a canoe hanging from a tree. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Ventures, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who, after hearing so many conspiracy theories, have been working on their own H&F-branded conspiracy theory, but haven't been able to think up anything outrageously stupider as to what's already out there. It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan. I know I mentioned Painkiller, and, and just it's one of those things. It's just interesting to watch, and I, I won't bring it up again until you uh, at some point. When you watch it, we'll talk about it. It's, it's not that it's depressing. It's just very enlightening, and, and it's... Uh, something of interest and this this other one that i started watching is just a great drama it's got michael keaton in it he's great and uh just as an entertainment property something to, to you know maybe look at uh dan are you okay it seems a bit i know it's foggy there but is, is it warm enough for you have your jacket on this morning and the kawarthas yeah, well, at the fog, there's a bit of a bite in the air, and it's, uh, you know, 13 climbing up to whatever today, so yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, starting to get that fall uh, feel to it. In fact, there's a couple of trees around here that, you know, just the brush of, of redness is showing on mm. the skirts of the trees. Well, Dan, go walk off your dock and look up at uh, Forest Hill. I mean, before I left on Wednesday. There's a tree there that's all pretty much all red already. Oh, come on. And it's not a red tree. <laughs> uh, well, we don't really need to do that. Although there is a nice stretch of weather coming, as you said to me a few minutes ago, before we started this, we could. And uh, that's great. So uh, nice weather uh, today in the show. Uh, just us talking about the current events, all kinds of things. Maybe we'll touch on the, <laughs> the suspicious aircraft blow up of Pergosian. You know, we all saw that coming. Uh, always we go. So here's a couple things we can talk about that. Not this second. We can also talk about Trump. We'll get to Trump. The, the mug shot fucking mug shot was so great. Uh, there's the obviously not great is the continued uh, white supremacist uh, attack on black people in America. What a great country. Um, and Bob Barker. Bob Barker passed away at uh, 99. 99. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty 
pretty good run there, eh? It's a long run, Dan. Would you want to go to 99, Dan? I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd want to be uh, healthy enough to know that I'm 99 and be able to walk around and stuff. There's a, there's a point where, you know, I don't know, I, I'm scared of. What's that point? When you can't walk around anymore and just dand around the shit out of life? Yeah. <laughs> Turn into a pile of goo, but still conscious. That would be... <laughs> okay, great. What about you there, uh, Friedrich? Oh, I don't know. Same thing, you know. If it's a horrible existence, no. If it's, you know, you're functional, I guess, okay. But Bob Barker, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> he's one of those guys, I thought he was dead. Yeah, me too. You no, know, I, I saw it on Saturday, and I thought, Bob Barker, I thought he died. <laughs> but he hadn't, obviously. I wonder... And as my buddy, as my buddy Doug said, it's about time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of jokes uh, I saw. Well, I, I, by the way, I agree. I thought it was... I thought, what? He's not dead yet? I, <laughs> I, I wonder when you get to be 96, 7, 8, whatever, I wonder if you walk by a mirror and go, I'm not dead yet? I'm still here? <laughs> I'm still moving on with this? He, um... There were lots of jokes on the weekend about Bob Barker. You know, he never got to 100. He, he bid lower. You know, whatever. I don't, I don't even know what the joke was. But it was a Price is Right joke. What is that one? What is that? What is the joke? Do you remember? It's, well, like, no, it's something to do. you've picked my interest. Well, yeah, just something to do with, like, you know, he, he bid 99 but didn't, and didn't go over. It's something to do with how the game is played on the oh, Price is okay. Right. Because so far, it's not that funny. No, it's not. I, <laughs> hey, I said there were jokes going around. I didn't say that's the joke. Okay. He was uh, born in 1923, and he got his start in radio, like uh, because when he began his broadcast career, radio had not yet been invented. He uh, moved to television in 1950 and took over The Price is Right in 1972. So oh, there was somebody I- before him? Yes, Bill Cullen. There you go. And um, I read a great story over the weekend. Truth or Consequences. I remember, that's how old I am. I remember when he hosted Truth or Consequences. And he told a great story that I think we can all relate to. He auditioned for that show and was pins and needles. Was he going to get it? And then he remembers getting the call and his wife was in the room and looking at his wife going, I got it. I got it. Mm. You know, and that was sort of his career took off from there. Do you guys remember Truth or Consequences? No, I was going to say, you're yeah. so old, you remember what Truth and Consequences oh, yeah. were, because I don't recall yeah. it. No. I do remember that. Crazy. You know, one of the yeah. things about The Price is Right, and it came back to me, mm. and again, I saw this uh, being shared by other people, which is, The Price is Right was one of those things I really only saw when I was homesick from school. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, I'm I'm home. I've got a sore throat or something, and I've been allowed to stay here. And we're going to watch The Price Is Right. Channel Four, CBS out of Buffalo. I remember if you were sick, uh, there was I Love Lucy, Andy and Mayberry, and then The Price Is Right would come on. And that's if you, and more often than not, you know, remember having those days when you were going to school, just deciding like maybe the night before i'm gonna play sick tomorrow i'm gonna tell my mom i don't feel very good because i just don't feel like going to school i did that quite often for me very, it was yeah for me it was very, more very, like uh untruthful but yeah i was you're lying basically yeah so that's lying. where that's where the scaper mm-hmm. boss was born yes uh <laughs> yeah we all did it i for me it was more about projects unfinished you know it's like oh fuck, i've got, I've got this thing i've got a thing i gotta do tomorrow i can't i can't <laughs> 
I never did that. Well, we're not surprised, not. Dan. You're the son of a preacher now. Yeah, I mean, said everybody did it. I the only it. thing the that could ever. <laughs> Why do you keep saying now? The son of a preacher the preacher now. The only thing that could ever treat him was the son of a preacher, man. <laughs> I, never, I, never, I never did that. No, Dan Duran never cheats. You know what that makes you, Dan? Weird. <laughs> That's right. What's wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you didn't Why just want you? the odd day on the couch? Watching the Price is Right? With Eating my mom. Like Fruit Loops right out of the box? No. Well, nobody was around? Oh, Having oh. grilled cheese sandwiches while watching the Flintstones later. So you never once in your entire scholastic career, which I, to be fair, only lasted till like grade nine, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longer than that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, no, I don't remember. I don't recall ever doing that. Okay. I mean, I, I recall, you know, not going to school for real sick reasons. And sure. Oh, of course. Of course. Things, but <clears throat> no, I don't think I could. I could have lied. My mom was a nurse. I don't think I could have gotten. Well, there is that. You know, she would have known you were faking it. You know, one thing about this job that we've all done now for 100 years, where I heard other other people with regular real jobs would 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 call in sick when they weren't i never did that in in radio i mean i've called in sick when i was and it's so rare that we got a chance to do that but i never took a day off like you know you hear people doing that oh i'm just gonna take a no i just never did that day yeah that new thing no same here because it was more a pain in the ass than everything anything a huge pain in the ass well, you took a, a day off. They'd have to bring a jock in. If I took the day off, the news person would have to do the sports. And I'm thinking, well, that, I, I didn't like doing it even when I was sick. But, <clears throat> yeah, not fair. I remember, too, my mom didn't live far from uh, that or didn't uh, work far from the house. And I remember she'd call me. How are you? Oh, no. I'm, uh, put on a bit of a- <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> That's where Howard and Fred got their early acting experience. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm all right. I think this may be a two dare. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Depending on if there was a project or a test. Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, that reminds me. You know what I did once? I think it was in grade five. I was always a class clown, and we used to just have, we'd have, we'd have to write like compositions or creative writing and then get up in front of the class and read them and mine were always clownish and everything but then in grade five we had sort of this formal thing oral compositions everybody they gave you a date like a month in advance and you had to have an oral composition ready and stand up in front of the class and i like i uh i froze like it was weird i took a couple of those uh fake sick days because of that believe it or not because i i i just i froze i just I remember that vividly. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it was just the weirdest thing. I was afraid to get up in front of the class with a formal oral composition. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> it is. I, uh, I, I, all other things uh, intimidated me. I didn't like, uh, you know, I was not a great studier because early on I just had this good memory and I seemed to grasp, thing, grasp things quickly. But I loved getting up in front of the class. This will no, to no surprise. I loved it. And later on, as I got into like later grades, I would I would always try to do something. If they were if they were a serious thing, I wouldn't do. But I did. I remember this distinctly. That my we at home we had one of these dogs, like a little toy dog, where you you hit its head and its head would do this. 
Oh, a bobblehead. Bo- a bobblehead, yeah. right, right. I remember doing an entire little presentation where I came up to the head of the class when it was my turn, had the bobblehead dog behind me, hit the head, the dog's head, had it doing this, bobbling head, Re- never referred to it once. <laughs> just, I remember thinking that would be funny if I did my entire speech and every once in a while I just leaned over and tapped the dog's head and it would do this. And at the end of the speech, I took the dog and I sat down and everyone's like, what the fuck was that? But it amused what me. What did the teacher say about that? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I yeah, he thought it was funny. Like Mr. Glassman. Yeah, he got it. He was just being absurd. <laughs> yeah, and after I froze in grade five there, I was fine after that. It was just, just I remember, I, 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 I think I turned that into like a three-dayer. Oh, I'm sick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was weird. Didn't it seem when we were all kids, though, that our glands got swollen? At least I did. I was always on, I did have a lot of sore throats as a kid. My glands were always slow, swollen, and I was close to having to have my tonsils out. You know, I was one more sort of bad sore throat away from having to do that. I, I'm, I, that didn't happen to me. Did you have glands as a child, Dan, before you ascended to? <laughs> to, to what I am now. To no, your, I didn't. To I, this didn't I, I remember once I was in the hospital for a little bit for some sort of throat thing, but nothing that really... You know, kept me out. It just seemed everybody's tonsils came out in the 60s and 70s. Mine didn't, but a lot of people's did. Mine came out, I think, within my first year of life. That uh, something really south with me that way. Yeah, I believe so. Like they put a baby in the hospital and they ripped out the baby's tonsils? Oh, I spent a lot of time in the hospital in my first few weeks for various things. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, I can't even be funny about it because I just. What else? What else? I almost died, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, what else about it? Did you like? Why were you there? So, are you saying nobody can be funny about it, or just you can't be? Oh, you can. I was okay, a sickly no. child. You were very I was just sickly. A sickly child. And they couldn't get their head. What was wrong with this kid? And then they took my tonsils out, and there was various other things. And I was on penicillin really young too for. Anyway, listen, if my mom was still here, I'd get her to call in and explain it. I don't know. Well, it, well you know, me- medical uh, advancements uh, hadn't come along then in the 1800s when you were born. And <laughs> <laughs> fucking in this cobblestone streets of Scarborough. Right. They were yeah, just they're, learning how to wash their hands. Exactly. They, didn't even, they just invented penicillin. <laughs> or your parents, you know, their reaction usually was, oh, stop, you'll be all right. Yes. No, no, opposed, they didn't want it. As opposed to now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my little darling. Clear the emergency room. My child is the sniffles. <laughs> that type of thing. Oh. <laughs> this from we, the two of us just admitted that we fucking lied and faked our way through many sicknesses during our childhood. Anyway, the uh, Bob Barker thing, one of the stories, obviously, it was circulating around. I saw it on social media was... Uh, a couple of funny little scenes where Bob Barker later in his career was in the Happy Gilmore movie. And then he did a couple skits with Adam Sandler. Very funny. Go and have a look at it where the two of them fight each other. Uh, I saw something yesterday. I didn't know in recent history, Adam Sandler went to see him. Eh? Yeah. By his in there's pictures of him by his bedside. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, there was a, uh, some awards show where they recreated the dynamic. Happy Gilmore he shows up at his hospital bed, and Bob's not really sick, but he gets out and they start fighting each other, and it's, yeah. it's very cute. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah. It was like I said, my my recollection of that show. And by the way, he he ended his duties duties. He ended his prices right duties in uh, 2007. He hosted that show for 35 years. Probably ended his life with a duty. D- duty. Right into a diaper. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. That's nice. A man, you know. And and of course, Dan. What else is he famous for? Uh, his dog. Uh, you know. Sp- get your pets spayed and or neutered, Brian. Oh, yesterday it was coming from all sides, all angles. Um, the tributes from uh, animal rights groups and yeah. Uh, humane societies and everything and uh that you know it's funny that that challenge his game show star legacy is is challenged by that legacy he was so entrenched in it it was amazing yesterday some of the stuff i read about and things he did money he contributed you didn't even know right like this this guy wasn't this wasn't wind address and he was into it yeah, he was. He was definitely uh, somebody that cared about animals, and uh, isn't that nice? I think we all care about animals. We just don't do anything about it. You know? Oh, I'm saying, especially give money. Yeah, <laughs> especially money. <laughs> like I, I like dogs, but Jesus, man, I want to yeah, buy a case of beer. That's right. You're not. You're barely giving money to your own dog. We don't have to eat. Remember, well, that's the other thing too. Is I, I don't remember. I didn't have a dog as a little kid, but I don't remember uh, people spending the kind of money we spend on dog food because dogs used to eat just scraps off our table, you know. You you know what I'm hearing a lot of these? Just like, you know, every other kid now has ADD or whatever. And peanut allergy. And peanut allergies. This People with dogs now. Yeah. I've had to change his food. He's reacting to the food. Oh, yeah. It's like, wow, you never heard that. And it's just so calm. Oh, I got to change his food. You know, he's, eh, it's just, uh, is the food so like refined and um, nutrient based and all this now? It, like, we had, you know, we fed our dogs basic garbage, right? I Romar 90 out of a can, my dog ate. Sure. It was like paste, it was like spam. Like Dr. Ballard's, I remember that as being a big brand. What did you feed Clifford? Uh, just basically kibble, right? Yeah, we never, never any moisture wet through that. I'll tell you the odd time he didn't, he didn't need it, but the odd time where Stan's had to because he had his, these the Boston Terrier breeds legendarily bad stomachs, and so the first year of his life we had to change him over a couple times to wet dog food, which were which was like heroin to him. Anytime I've ever opened up a can around him, he just goes bananas because it's so much better. He likes it so much better than dry food, but it's really expensive. Oh yeah, it's. Uh yeah, I don't know. Dogs are very sensitive these days. Yes, they I are. I, I, when I Clifford, the tail end there, I got a, a little bit of uh, um, like low fat food for him mm-hmm. in the last part. Of, but that's well, because you life. hate fat people. Why was that right? <laughs> wow, because you well, as you know, Dan, you hate fat people. <laughs> And you didn't want a fat dog. No. Yeah. So I didn't um, want a fat dog. It was it had something to do with his organs. So anyway, yeah. I had to buy it. But it's like it was super expensive, like a like a hundred bucks a bag or 115, 20 bucks a bag, Jesus. which is like, like, holy cow, this is for sure, man. Um. Anyway, so that's uh, that. These are all the things we potentially get to work. We've done Bob Bob Barker. We've done Bob Barker. One thing I just I remember um, just before we move on to the next thing. Yes, I remember. 
Sweet Clifford, who I love so dearly. Yes. When he was a puppy and up at Dan's house there in Cavan, they'd fill the bowl. And I think it was like a, a metal bowl or something. Remember, he he would go at that food so crazy that the bowl would go right across the room. <laughs> <laughs> His tail would be wagging and he, he couldn't eat it fast enough. And he'd push the goddamn bowl right across the kitchen. It was something to watch. Sweet Cliff. Yeah. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Cliff. R.I.P. Yeah. Even though at the end you were getting fat. And of course, <laughs> dada. By the way, uh, back to Bob Barker for a quick sec. Yes, please. Truth or, truth or consequences. How did that game actually work? What was the consequence? Like, what, they'd ask you, like, a question I, and. I forget, Dan, actually. Yeah. They'd have, yeah, I don't know. If you didn't tell, if you didn't tell the truth, they punched you in the dink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone got a dink like punch. Yes, like you got a dink punch. Oh, wow. Everybody got a dink punch. Um, I, you know, I, I don't even remember the show. I do remember the name of the show. I remember playing the... Did you ever play Truth or Consequences as a kid? Or was oh, it... Did you, yeah. Dan, I'm talking to Dan. Or, or is the answer no, because my mom was a nurse? <laughs> the answer is no, I don't think so. Because I don't even know what the game is. Well, the, game? the kid version of the game was you were sort of... Was, wasn't it you sat around, if you asked a question... The whole oh, truth, point. Or you got, you got your truth or dare, right? truth or dare, truth or dare. Okay, right, yeah. it was basically the same premise. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea was you wanted to make out with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Fred's looking up yeah. the uh, premise for truth or consequences. Um, okay, contestants must perform an embarrassing stunt if they fail to answer a question correctly. Oh, okay. Contestants must perform an embarrassing stunt. Yeah, if they fail to answer a question correctly. So Bob would ask the question. If you got it wrong, then... He'd kick him in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'd pull a card and say something. You have to do something silly. Mm-hmm. Like like something like jump into a bowl of jello or something like that? Yeah, yeah sure. Something along mm, these yeah. lines. You know, very wacky and madcap. And... Mm, right. Um, okay, well, the, anyways, uh, Clifford R.I.P., Bob Barker R.I.P., and uh, just very quickly, we don't have to belabor this, but uh, I'd never been to St. John until Wednesday. St. John, New Brunswick. I would like to add that to list of places I've been that are s- spectacular. Have you been to St. John, New Brunswick, Dan? Have you been to New Brunswick? Moncton, Fredericton. I've been to, Mon- I've been to Moncton once for a real quick, uh, in the middle of winter, for a, a promo thing for one of the, the CTV stations. Sure. And even though I'm playing a uh, an artist from Newfoundland, uh, it's East Coast uh, music anyway. Uh, Gordy Sampson, one of my favorites. So here's I, I just written just very quickly. Um, beautiful place, wonderful people. Uh, the East Coast people I met were all super friendly. And the fourth and probably most important point for you two is I soured zero rooms, zero. Zero, zero, sour encounters. Just was seamless, uh, friendly. I never had anybody like, what's fucking up with that guy? So, uh, you know, and that's good. That's, you know, that's the new Howard. So, uh, yeah, from beginning to end, it was fantastic. Can you ever really be sure, though? I just knew, see, I knew. I knew that. I could have written that down. I could what? have written that. I could have written that. Could you ever? Do you, you know? ever really be well, sure? Well, no. Here's here's what I'll say. To be <laughs> honest, the, to the best of my recollection, there were no yeah. awkward, weird, 
uh, uncomfortable encounters. My buddy Grant and his wife Hope and their sons, just the sweetest people. And uh, I mean, the I mean, okay, the only potential awkward thing was that they have two giant cats. And I knew they had cats, and I thought, you know, upon arriving, I should let them know that I have a bit of a, I'm a little bit allergic to cats. So that might, that moment was like, what? I said, it's going to be okay. And I took a couple Claritons. I mean, these are big, and by the way, the friendliest dog cats I've ever been around. You know, like the kind of cat that just follows you around like a a dog. Mm -hmm. Not not my dog, but a real dog. Mm It's just sometimes in those situations, you need a wingman, right? Because I've been in situations where I come out of a situation thinking, yeah, fine, nothing bad happened. And then your wingman, in this case being Delise, would say, remember when you said, right, I'm right, not right, sure right. you yeah. should have said that. Well, like, again, oh, great God, question. I didn't even notice that. Even notice. <laughs> yeah. To, great question. And uh, astute observation, as always. But I would tell you that from my, I, I sort of, I mean, my buddy Grant, would would be considered a wingman in that situation because I met a lot of his mm-hmm. friends. I went golfing. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I just want to say some of the views I saw, like you, you just forget. I mean, I know this from being on the West Coast, but we really live in a, a really, really beautiful place. Like I went to, uh, we golfed on Thursday about an hour and a half from St. John in a place called Algonquin, St. Andrews, the town. If you look it up, it's like right on the, it's right across from Maine, like you can, you're right across the river from Maine or the Bay of Funday. By the way, that's how they pronounce it. Not Fundy. I, it's, it's the Bay of Funday. I don't know why. Funday? Oh. Funday. But we sat out there, Fred and Dan, on this, at this restaurant. I'll send you some pictures of, of, of the dock. And it's like you're, I don't know, it's like kind of a movie. It's just so beautiful. And uh, Thursday, the weather was stunning. I mean, it could have been a little bit warmer, but it was just beautiful. And I'd never seen anything like it. It's sort of like a, it kind of looks like you're up north everywhere you go. Just trees, rivers, uh, and the ocean. It was just beautiful. So that was kind of my overall impression of the place is like, I I didn't know what it looked like. And I had no idea how beautiful it was. Did you do anything nature-y? Yeah. um, Well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, I didn't go. I didn't see the tides go in and out. Um, you know, we sort of just hung around. I got to go to St. John, which is one of the oldest cities in the country. Went there a couple times. Um, where there, like, there's a the golf course my buddy Grant plays at. It's called Riverside. It's right on this beautiful river, and uh, you know, so I was around it all the time. But I didn't go down to the river uh, as, and because the weather wasn't great Friday and into Saturday, it was sort of raining all the time. But hmm. have you been out there? St. John? Yes. I've been through New Brunswick. I, yeah, yeah, I told you. I've been to the I Flower Pots and the Bay of Funday and yeah. uh, Magnetic Hill. And yes, um, I don't think we went to St. John per se. We went through Fredericton, but uh, I did some touristy stuff there. I believe I had a lobster dinner in uh, in New Brunswick. It was nice. Yes, it was nice. It's a different lifestyle, that's for sure. And it's um, what a great pace. What a great place to raise your kids. And it's just got a very nice, sort of easygoing vibe. I mean, it's a small province, less than a million people. And uh, my buddy Grant and his wife, Hope, they've been living there their whole lives. And so I, and I, I was asking them, is it, it must be, and I was fascinated by the fact that they, they're either, they know everybody. They've got a lot of cousins and friends and family. And it's just an easygoing sort of lifestyle that they've chosen you know it's, and it's different than it is here yes and as you said uh explaining to me before the show uh very affordable housing as well yeah very affordable different yeah way different than this 
and you know and everything just seems like people just like you know I don't know when we were talking about this but you know there there just doesn't seem to be the rush that we have here the kind of chaotic lifestyle we have here great restaurants we went out uh, we went out uh, Friday night to this restaurant in the city yeah it's called the East Coast Bistro food was great the food that we had uh, at the in St. Andrews the night before was great. It was and and pretty affordable. And but it was fun. You know, we go to the restaurant and so there's uh, I'm with Grant and his wife Hope and their two friends who I I, I met and uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere like his brother comes in with his wife and his dad and they, when they said there was people saying goodbye to them like everybody knew everybody which is kind of cool. Do they have that uh, East Coast twang? The older people. Like, hey, bye. That type of thing. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's interesting. That you say that. You say that. Because I said to Grant, I said, I'm one more day away. If I was here one more day, I'd have your accent. Because they say bar, hard. Get out under the bar. Bar. And they're like, what? We don't sound like that. Just a little bit. But I loved it, man. Do you, um, did you have anything with lobster in it? I did. I had a, the very first night. By the way, dudes, he's got this thing. He has a barbecue like everyone else, but he's got what's called, it's called a Blackstone. Dan, you would love it. And it's a gas f- a fire thing, and it's just basically a huge griddle. Mm-hmm. So, have oh, you ever seen one of these? I one of those. Who? Yeah, my brother's got one. Yeah, it's my amazing. Yeah. Dudes, I, I, we, we, he cooked this stir fry on it the first night I was there. It was just with, and it was, uh, it was all sorts of different kind of fish, white fish, some shrimp. It was amazing. And, uh, but just watching him pl- work on this Blackstone, he just got it. it was, so we were dicking around with it. But that night we had this, uh, his wife Hope picked up a beautiful, like a lobster bisque type of chowder thing, just huge chunks of lobster from some local place. It was so good. Like the food was fantastic. Obviously, you had your own room. Did you have your own bathroom in the house? Because that can be awkward. I did. Right? Like, you, you know him, but not necessarily the family. No. You move in, and that can be a bit. I was downstairs. It was great. It couldn't have been better. Yeah. I had my yeah. bathroom down there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the cats, like I'm telling you, the cats were great. And, you know, other than the fact I was sneezing a little bit. One night, Dan, I wake up. I go to the bathroom about 4 o'clock. And, you know, I kept the door closed so that the cats wouldn't come in because they were following me around. But it's like the middle of the night. I'm kind of groggy. I open the door. And one of the cats, who's big, like a big cat, just sitting there looking at me. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. Kind of scared me a bit. So I go to the bathroom. And then I come out. The cat's gone. I'm like, did that even happen? <laughs> Was the cat even there? But yeah, all in all, man, what a, and and how easy it is to get there. I, I don't know when I, you know, I must be dumb. I had no idea. Like it's about a fourteen-hour drive if you were to drive there, but it's a less than two-hour flight. So, you know, we his and the airport there is so easy, small, little. It's like it reminded me of uh, the airport in Regina or Saskatoon. You know, it's like you just get in. Security's one dude. Hey, how you doing? He just he just walked through. Everything was easy. And uh, yeah, it's two hours. It's a two-hour flight. Nice. It's a beautiful. You know what? It really did remind me of what a great country we. Well, not remind me. It just made me think about just how lucky we are to live in this country because it's just so many places are. You know, and a lot of Canadians like me. I hadn't lived here my whole life. I've never been to New Brunswick until this weekend. And it was good. No, I know, and uh, you know, a lot of people get tired of Toronto. I, I had that conversation with my son yesterday, just about what you were saying—the rat race and the cutthroat sort of attitude within the city. And uh, 
I said to him, you know, Toronto's just catching up with all the other, you know. Toronto's going through now what Rome and London and all these other major centers went through maybe decades ago. The unique thing about Canada is, is what you just said, and I guess other countries as well, outside of the major centers, if you can afford it or you can swing it, there's still a nice basic life to be lived if you can do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, we're all drawn to the big smoke. Well, and, and you know, yeah, and I grew up in a small town. You think, oh, everyone's got to leave the small town and go someplace big. But, you know, there was a whole mm-hmm. group of people I met there that, you know, I played golf uh, on Friday with a guy. He's probably 70 or 71. Great guy. Great guy's name is Darcy. And he was my partner in this little game we were playing. I got to play with a, a, a Grant and a bunch of his friends to have the Friday afternoon game. Like really organized, fun guys. And, uh, you know, I said, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I have all the Tim Hortons here. I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah. Mm, like seven. Nice. He has 17. <clears throat> wow. 17 Tim Hortons all over New Brunswick. He didn't have to move to Toronto. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Fred Ball. Toronto is a two-hour drive from Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is so true. But uh, funny. Uh, th- this new Good concept, job, Fred. Th- there's a, this new concept um, talking about maybe not having to go to the city now, young people being drawn to Toronto for work, you know, with the new era of Zoom and being able to work remotely. Some companies are now asking... So say you're based in Toronto and somebody wants to move to St. John for cheap housing. Well, it's like this job in Toronto pays 120000 say. You move to St. John and the company will pay you 90000 mm-hmm. This concept now where the company is saving money, but in the long run, the employee's in a better environment and more affordable. So that's where we're going. I thought that's pretty clever, actually pretty clever yeah and and i also like the idea of you know where i thought you were going with it but i and i think some companies are doing that they're Mm -hmm. saying hey we want to hire you in toronto but you don't have to live in toronto Mm -hmm. like you know my kid you know there's charlie's in uh new york she left there she left yesterday so she'll be there three days this week but most for the most part she doesn't have to live there she can live here and I've, i've even said this to her you don't have to live in toronto either now no because and if because they're thinking of buying a house at some point that's the problem is like you can think about it, you know, and then you can afford the mortgage, but it's the down payment. But if you move to Georgetown like Mel did or, you know, move somewhere, you know, Charlie could move to New Brunswick tomorrow and do her job in New York. I mean, maybe the access. That is the only thing about it is there's three airports, Moncton, St. John and Fredericton. And they're all fairly sort of they're all. Which, which is about an hour from each other, right? And what Grant was saying is what, what they want to do is build a big airport in the middle of it that has a bit more of an international sort of... Because in order to get anywhere from there, you have to go somewhere else. It's not a hub is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, but I'll tell you what, other than that, it's a fantastic place. And uh, it's filled with lovely people, you know? Yeah, uh, I get it. But, you know, even young people buying houses. Another conversation I had with my son yesterday was, you know, he does quite well. But if you got a couple hundred thousand and you buy a house for 1.1, which isn't a lot in Toronto. No. So now you have a $900,000 mortgage. Like, there just seems no way out of that. You know what I mean? Like, you know you're going to be paying that 25, 30 years or whatever. You've got to go in with that attitude. And it just seems hopeless. And when you look at those payments now on a $900,000 mortgage, you really are almost better off 
in some situations, renting and investing, uh, you don't have nearly the stress. You don't have nearly the stress. It's funny. I had this conversation with Charlie's fella in April, and he is he's been saving money. He's a smart kid. He's been saving money. He's 30 now. His entire life, he's saved money. And I said, why aren't you, you guys thinking of buying a house? He's like, nah, I've done, the, I've done the math. And as long as I keep investing the way I am, we're just better mm-hmm. off renting. And I'm like, yeah. that's, and that's, a, as you just said, it's a popular sort of uh, thought these days. You know, because unless you, unless you move to New Brunswick or someplace where you don't need to come up with three or $400,000 for a down payment and have a, a million-dollar mortgage. And as you say, it's not a lot of... I live in a neighborhood here where these little dinky post-war bungalows are 1.3 or 1.4. How do you come up with enough down payment to make your mortgage payments reasonable? Right. And now with interest rates, it's like... So every month you got to worry about that six or seven thousand dollars just to pay the mortgage, yeah. and then and then heat and hydro and taxes and all the stuff that goes with it. Yeah, there's a real formula now where we've reached sort of a tipping point of now. Nah, it doesn't make sense. If you get you know a decent rental situation, you're better off directing your money somewhere else. And you know, again, my pushback is always the same, and it was to him, which is. You know, okay, yes, but then you're going to pay somebody else's mortgage. Uh, before Dan, Dan, will you come back and do the news, or do you have to go do yep. some man work? No, no, I'll, I'll be here for the news. The average price of a home in Canada, this is as of July. Uh, July clocked the largest annual increase in more than two years, up 6% to the same time last year. If you had to put, I, I, I like to do little quizzes with you guys. If you had to put a number on the average price, of a house in Canada. This is going from New Brunswick to Victoria. What do you think? I'd say high sixes. Dan Duran, your final answer? Uh, probably, I'd go high fives. 688754 is the average right. price of Canada, of a home in oh, Canada. I read that recently. Uh, does you? Does uh, cheater, cheater. Why did you, know, you, he just you say a question that I knew... I, he haven't asked a question that I knew the answer to. I didn't. I didn't say, "Hey guys, ask me this question." No, but you, there wasn't a guess because you knew the answer. That's right, Dan. Right? Yeah, and that's why both of us stayed home from school, lying to our parents. Uh, Daniel, like being on a game show, right? It's a hundred thousand dollar question, and they ask no. you something you know the answer to. It's like, oh, I know the answer to this. The average price of a home in Toronto would be what a million. Oh, I'd say something like that. Uh, Dan Duran, come on back uh, with the news, uh, you know, like 20 minutes or so. Give us 25 minutes to yell about Trump and do some commercials, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. Dan Duran's news on this program today. Um, Let's talk about some nice people that support our program, Friedrich. Uh, The retirement Sherpa, Tim, will be by on uh, Wednesday. Tim, as you know, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Plan, or fund. Uh, Tim Niblett, yes, on Wednesday, will be continuing his talk on value of investment uh, and advisory fees. Like, what are you paying to get, you know, your money managed? And there's all sorts of, we'll go over them the next couple of days, about resources inside and outside, uh, 
uh, for real estate planning, uh, tax uh, minimization, all those things that you should know about. What you pay for, are you getting good return on your investment through information and guidance? That's Tim Niblett. He'll be by on Wednesday, the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. My schedule has not allowed me to be stretched lately. It's been a couple weeks, and I'm starting to feel it. Stretchlab.com is where you can go and get a one-on-one stretch or a group stretch. And I've talked about some of the benefits. Like, if you've, you know, listen, we've all, we've all, all old people have probably had some physio. This is different. This is a guided, assisted stretch in places you need it. Your hips are, are, are stiff. If they're like mine or your lower back or your legs or your IT bands, all kinds of things, your upper body, your shoulders. Having somebody assist you at Stretch Lab is uh, it's really, really a unique experience. Now you can do it at $59. It's 50-minute stretch, and it includes an assessment. And you will definitely walk out of there feeling different. You're... You'll increase your range of motion and flexibility, reduce muscle and joint pain, improve your posture, reduce your stress at StretchLab.com. You know what I did on uh, Saturday? It was uh, We were supposed to golf Saturday with Grant. He's got twin boys and a uh, third son. The twins are like 25. The, uh, the youngest is 21. They're all good, great kids, great athletes. And the two uh, twins, we were going to go golfing with them, but we couldn't Saturday. It was like kind of a shitty, rainy day. So we went to a movie. So we'll, I, I'm not sure if you've seen Oppenheimer yet. No. You'll like it. You don't see it on a big screen, but it's, uh, it's worth your time when it becomes available. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um. Where do you do you want to talk about the uh, white people shooting black people in America that sport or do you want to talk about the ridiculous mug shots and the uh, ridiculous? I mean, I, I have some you, you, I have some stuff about Trump that maybe people haven't heard, but that might be kind of funny. You know, it's not all just yelling. I told you about the uh, the club championship thing again. Yeah, he's just so pathetic. Uh, what happened in Florida, you know, it's it's just aggravating. You know, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show about, you know, layers of negativity and things that upset you. I mean, even that story, it's soon as it happens, right? People dig in like that. I'll tell you who's a slick little creep. Is that uh, Vanek Grand Sammy guy? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Ram, Ram Swami. Oh, no, he's, you know, he's like, creepy. Yeah. Like, you know, like, slow down, buddy. But anyway, you know, immediately they want to get right into the mental health thing. And we know mental health's involved. The idea is to keep guns out of the hands of mentally ill people. Yeah. But they just don't want to go there. And it's just and that happens. It's blatant. The guy on the guns or something. There was, yeah, it was a swa- he had a swastika, a white gunman had a swastika on the gun, the AR-15. And uh, while it was going on, texted his father. To you know, go into his room and he and he had like the his manifesto, his white yeah. supremacist manifesto, and uh, and again, the, the, you know, the news comes out and then immediately everybody takes their side. It just it's never going to change. It's you know, and you can blame you know. There's a new atmosphere. There's a new feel in the United States since Trump. You know, it's allowed the enablers to come out and. And, you know, 
the enablers have allowed these people to come out more freely. Yeah. Um, well, you said again, something. I'm not directly blaming Trump for this. It's just when you, when the guy at the top or the guy running for president who was president just never addresses that and actually often leans into it a bit, encouraging it. It's what do you think is going to happen? What well, do you think is going to happen? I don't agree with when you say people take their sides. I don't think there is a side to this. I know. I I. I know there. You know I, mean. I know. I know. I know. But what I mean is, I I can't believe there's a side to this. Yeah, right. I can't believe that. Of course not. You see, in our in in mm. well, my own world, I I can't imagine having a conversation with somebody where I would try and justify what happened in any way, shape, or form. Like, and and it it boggles my mind that no matter this isn't just another mass shooting, which they have every day. This is such a targeted shooting. And I saw some of the reaction from black Americans. It's like, how can we live in this country where the potential for us to be? And if it's not this guy with a, with a Nazi symbol on his rifle, if it's not him, it's cops breaking into homes where, you know, in fact, it happened yesterday. I don't have it in front of me, but another black kid was shot walking into the wrong place. Like he walked and went into the wrong home by mistake or something was somewhere where he could where somebody was startled by a black face and shot him. But you know what a reaction to that is from the side, the other side is. And I heard it on the weekend. There is so much black on black crime in Chicago and the major cities. Why all of a sudden when a black person dies at the hands of a white person, does it mean more than this alarming rate of black on black crime? Well, there is a difference because it's like motive. <laughs> not, not to excuse black on black crime. I mean, it, it is alarming. It's too bad something couldn't be done. That's systemic. That's, uh, you know, that's a show, uh, obviously a social problem created by the white society. So, you know, but that was a reaction, too. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, just because, uh, you know, a white guy does this. Well, what about all? What about Chicago this weekend? Probably 50 black people died at the hands of black people. So what? They they don't matter. So so it just spins. You know, it's it's on the spin cycle. Mm. It's it's it, it's it's hard to listen to. Is it is. Um, and, you know, back to Charlottesville, where Donald Trump famously said, there were good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, you can trace a lot of this behavior that has been, the, you know, the great enabler is the overt and inferred comfort with not just white people hating black people, white mm-hmm. people hating everything. And, what, you know, and, and I've said this a, a thousand times, but the people in the white community, the poor, the, the people in this rural community that is portrayed in this drama that I've been watching, Dope Sick. They're just nice people who don't have access to information. One of the Mm storylines, I mean, they're all very religious, and I I don't want to jump on religion every time, but there's a real correlation, at least for me, between people that are very religious and people that will believe Donald Trump is a great man. I I just think there is, because they're so used to being hoodwinked and that's what he is. He, he's just, you know, the fact that they never question him. I saw some video this weekend, too, about people reacting to Trump's latest indictment. And they just can't. There's no world that they can they can imagine where he's really a bad guy. Howard, that debate the other night there, I think there's eight on stage. And at one point, if if Donald Trump, 
is convicted of these crimes, yeah. will you still support him? Six of the eight ro- raised their hands. Yeah, I know. I have that written down. I saw that. And it's like, you know, and I heard the analysis after, you know, guys, they're very analytical. Some Republicans. There's a Republican guy. I forget his name on CNN. He's saying all six of them know that that's wrong. They, they all know that they shouldn't be raising their hands, but they've just sold out. They've sold out to the to the cult. They know they had to raise their hands. If they, you know, if Donald Trump is somehow taken out of the picture, they know that they had to raise their hand just to stay friendly with that base. And again, I'm not telling you or anything none of us don't know, but that's that's how disgusting it is. You know, when, Just when think I, about that. I, I am, if well, he's convicted of these crimes, will you still support? It's so like, here was my take on that, because I wrote it down. I wrote debate six of eight. That's what I wrote there right here, debate six of eight. And my take on it is this. Think about how far politics has come in that country. Where, where 20 years ago, again, I brought it up the other day with Tony Clement. Whenever it was that Gary Hart had to retire from the campaign because there was some something going on on his boat by the way the name just just hold this for a second the name of the boat was hanky panky i don't know if you remember that (laughs) okay and you know and you know the phrase Mm -hmm. the phrase we've all heard all our lives is hanky panky but just keep that in mind so and and so here's how far we've come a guy that could be indicted and one of those indictments for over, trying to overthrow the government in a, and, and, and uh, false electors, all that stuff, those six candidates said they'd still support him as their, as their nominee for president. Now, if you don't <laughs> think we're living in the bizarro world, that alone, well, I'm not, again, it was one of the things I wanted to bring up with you. I, I just shook my head and went, well, that's how far we've fallen. I know. Um, and it's true. Each one of them knows that that is wrong. And if they just know it's wrong, but they still raise their hand because, you know, it's the whole, again, the parking space theory. Like they're not they, they're not going to sacrifice what they're after, um, even on that issue. Yeah. It, it's great. You know, and you, you all you need to know about Trump and what a fucking bastard prick he is. You know, I get back to the two women in uh, North Carolina there that, you know, have had their lives destroyed. Yeah, the the, the election people. The, um, yeah. She was, yeah, she was passing her friend or her daughter, whoever it was, a ginger mint, you know, and it was, mm-hmm. well, look, at that's, uh, that's uh, what, do you, what do you call it? One of those things you stick in a computer. What do you call uh, this? A hard uh, jump drive or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. USB um, or something, yeah. <clears throat> They know he's destroyed those lives. They know they they were totally innocent. All it would take for him to come out and say, okay, everybody, back off those two women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Any decent human being at this point would say, back off those people. That was a misunderstanding. I still don't think the election was stolen and everything, but, you know, we can't. Have a little bit of compassion. He doesn't give two shits about those two women. Yeah, he's, he's left. Like he them, yeah, he's left them in their dust. Ruby, her, one of yeah. the, I think the mom was was named Ruby. They were election workers that were caught on video passing something back. Who's and and you know they've had to get protective uh, security, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. By the way, and just to jump back into the six of eight holding up their hands, and and again, I don't want to sound like I'm being dramatic, but it's not hyperbolic 
hyperbole to say hyperbolic. I'm not even sure if that's a word. It's not hyperbole to say this is what happened in Germany. I don't care if you think, oh, that's too. You can't make the parallel. Yes, you can. Because what happened early on was a bunch of people just went along with him. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want because because they saw the kind of base he was creating, he being Hitler, the kind of base that was being created, and they and and, and people that knew better, had friends that were Jewish, knew they were wrong, went along. Part of it was fear. You brought this up the other day, and I agree with you. You brought it up about uh, why why won't some people stand up because they're they're literally afraid. Mm-hmm. They're afraid for their lives. So I don't know. Maybe that's Lindsey Graham. But some of those people in early 30s Germany knew all of it was wrong. While it was going on, they knew it was wrong. But by then, it was too late. It was it. And, and, and the thing about those guys, the Nuremberg assholes, they lived long enough to know how fucked up it was. Yeah. And so six of eight raised their hand and the crowd cheers. Yeah. Did you hear that? Nice. Oh, so I all know. those people yeah. in there, the crowd was cheering. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, six of eight, for protecting or, you know, standing behind our criminal uh, president or yeah. know, former president or candidate or whatever you want to call the asshole at this point. It's just uh, it's something else. Well, remember, Hitler went to jail. Hitler was in jail in his 30s. Um, here's a little, here's a more, so that's kind of the serious uh, head scratching. But, but where, what I find amusing about what I'm about to share with you is that there's just never, <clears throat> there's never any humanity around the guy. What, what you just pointed out would have been a little bit like, hey guys, listen, I think election is stolen, but we can't destroy these two people's lives. That's not fair. That's not who we are. That, that's a little humanity you, you were asking for. So, and you know, you know the hostility that Mike Pence, everywhere he's going now, the hostility against him because he refused to cheat. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Everything's just upside down. Yeah. Rather than, hey, thank you, sir, for upholding our constitution, you know, and doing the right thing. It's the exact opposite. They hate his fucking guts. And think about that. Because they, of what he did. Because, and, and they don't even consider the fact that, that, he, that Trump was wrong about mm-hmm. Mike Pence. They're, yeah. they're now mad at Mike Pence. The guy that the crowd was yelling, hang Mike Pence. Like it is so, you know. Like I know that again. Sometimes the audience. I had to apologize last week because we got into it again. But this is all history, and if you don't oh. think it's history, you're you're missing the point. So, back to the idea: there's never any humanity around Trump. There's never any just like a normal thing. Trump goes to get his that first. That mugshot is just ridiculous. In the two days following Thursday's. Indictment. If you don't, you've seen the mugshot. Everyone has. He raised seven million dollars in two days of people seeing the mugshot. He knew what he was doing with that stupid face, that uh, ridiculous pose. But then on the weekend, oh, and also he. By the way, you self-report your weight. So two things have happened. First of all, he puts his weight down as two hundred fifteen pounds, six foot three. When he left office, he was two hundred forty-five pounds. And only six foot two. <laughs> so, though so he's literally lost 30 pounds and gained an inch, you know, like a lot of 77 year olds do in the time since he's been, uh, the two years he's been out of office or whatever it's been. So that's Can one I thing. Just yeah, go interject ahead. on that right now. Yeah. You want to talk about levity and funny. But here's, here's the man you're supporting. So even if he was fucking around with that, and puts two fifteen, six foot three. 
It's a lie, and he knows it's a lie. So the Daily Mail in, in Britain, they release this article and they say, oh, Donald Trump, the same, uh, he's got the same physique as Muhammad Ali and Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, I think, for you know, the Baltimore, uh, Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. But it's all tongue in cheek, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they're saying, "Oh, look at this guy, Donald uh, Donald Trump." Based on what he said, look, he, he's got the same physique as these people. So then you read the whole article, and you go down in the article, and it talks about him cheating at the golf course and everything. Oh, yeah, I'm he saw that. the he saw the headline from that, and that's all he needed. He posted it on Truth Social, like it was true, like they were saying, "Oh, look at this man; he's got a great body." And and the comments, once it was on Truth Social, and I saw it because I subscribed to it, there was people actually writing saying, sir, sir, they're they're making fun of you. Did you not realize? We know you're busy, sir, and we understand you have a lot on your mind. This one has slipped by you, sir. They're making fun of you, sir. Hmm. On and on and on and on. Finally, it was taken down. But this is the guy you want to be president. He sees the headline, doesn't even read the article, and posts it on Truth Social like it's like it's the gospel. Yeah, I mean, and not not to to mention the fact that is this the guy you want leading you that that is so vain and narcissistic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like forget about the fact how dumb it is. But think about what that is. Like not getting it, not to get too deep into policy and all this stuff. But he he has nothing. He's proposing nothing. It's all just vengeance and revenge, and yet he makes these people send him money. So here's the thing I thought was hilarious to me anyway. So, and I posted this on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen my reaction already, which I thought was uh, very, very uh, appropriate. So Trump, uh, again, for reasons that are beyond, and all, think about this. He's being indicted. There's a million court cases. He's running for president. There's all this controversy around him. He's literally had to go to a place and have a mugshot taken. And yet he posts, oh, by the way, that mugshot was his return to Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. So he his very first post on Twitter since he was banned is mugshot and the date and just him scowling like a tit. And never surrender. He had just re- surrendered. He just surrendered. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is never surrender. Uh, yeah. That's how, that's never how surrender much, unless you're indicted. That's how stupid too his cult is. Yeah, they wouldn't even catch that. No, I, that was sur- right. That's a great point. Sir, never surrender, yeah. even though you just re- surrendered. Yeah, for the fourth time. So in in, <laughs> so in, in all of this, he uh, tweets, I am pleased to report, for those that care, that I just won the senior club championship at Bedminster, uh, Bedminster Trub National Golf Club, shooting a round of 67. Just hold that thought for a second. Now, some people will think that sounds low, but there is no hanky-lanky. Remember, I fucking... Who says hanky-lanky, for fuck's sake? Mm-hmm. Hanky-panky, remember? Mm-hmm. Many people watch, plus I am surrounded by Secret Service agents. Not much you can do, even if you wanted to. And I don't. For some reason, I am just a good golfer slash athlete. I have won many club championships, and it is always a great honor. So let me just break that down. Here's what I wrote. And I've been around golf my whole life. Golfers who don't cheat aren't yammering on about how they don't cheat. (laughs) Fucking like if I told you, Fred, I won the club championship this weekend 
and shot 67, that would be the post, not, mm-hmm. and there's, I know that sounds low, Fred, there's, mm-hmm. and there was many people, there was no hanky-lanky, <laughs> fuck, um, not much you can do even if you wanted to, like, you know, you can't cheat even if mm-hmm. you wanted to, and I don't, all of, like, if you can't read that, all it says to me is I cheated, and, and as I wrote, he shot 67 like he's 215 pounds. I said to you the other day, maybe on the show or off, that I, I, was a, I did watch his swing. And I'm like, yeah, the guy can hit a golf ball. He can't hit a golf ball and shoot 67, though. It, he, it, it, it's just so far. If he had said I shot 76 or mm-hmm. 78, you know, it's the senior club championship. You're not, you don't need to shoot in the 60s, you stupid mm-hmm. idiot. You all just, just need to shoot something in the mid-70s. Usually that would win it. But he, like, again... There's just no humanity. There's no point where he'll just go where I can where he can just be a normal person. What's scary about that? That's like and again, you know, his heroes are are dictators like that's so Putin-esque. That's so in Kim Jong Un talking about how many holes in one he's had. Yeah. Or you know when Putin plays hockey everybody sort of stands back and lets him score so you just wonder what's going on there he's such a vile bastard you just wonder what what what's going on at the golf course that that can actually be revealed or published and because you're right what is he he's 77 77 years old that's 11 man doesn't doesn't shoot a 60 doesn't shoot 10 shots under his age no and 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 when i when the reason i was trying to tie it into humanity like if he had posted, because I told you, he swings a decent golf club, even though he's a big fat fucker. Um, if he had posted that I shot 77 and won the senior club championship at his golf course, mm-hmm. I'd go, yeah, I could, I could see him shooting 77. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so there's, first of all, the number, and then there's all the justifying the number. That's the president of the United States? That's the guy you want? No, exactly. Like it's just, that, that, that's what bothers me about it. Just the grassroots there. It's like, wow, this guy is you know, the most powerful man on earth. Like he deals at that level. Like he, he's that childish. Like, yeah, that's wow. an, that was written. That's like written by an yeah. 11 year old. Not yeah. much you can do, even if you wanted to. And I don't. For some reason, I'm just a good golfer slash athlete. I have won many club championships and it is always a great honor. Like that is written by. A kid on the spectrum. That's a that's a juvenile somewhere on the spectrum of something. I'm not just saying this is an autism, by the way. On the spectrum of mental Ill- illness. And by the way, when I saw the hanky lanky thing, I'm like, fuck mm-hmm. me. You can't even get that part right. You know what I think in those situations, it's like, you know, and a lot of politicians do it, but Trump in particular, you know, throw him into a forum where anything goes he doesn't know what the questions are going to be he doesn't know who the audience is going to be he doesn't you know the the moderator can ask whatever they want he would never put himself in that position no why is it he only wins his own club championships is he never in any other (laughs) no um, is he never in any other competitions where he wouldn't be able to cheat you never hear that do you it's always his own club championships that's why i say it's like putin-esque it's like it is it's 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 this creepy, seedy, deceitful, dictatorial. 
existence and yeah. and, and and there's your guy there's, Ooh, your guy there's your guy we love you we love you mr president holy fuck um well there you have it folks that's uh, humble and fred's latest edition of <laughs> stuff about trump we can't fucking believe mm-hmm. uh, but we do can't we here's the thing we have other things we're interested in you know we've got uh, these fine folks that are supporters of ours yeah, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small uh, business. You know, we were talking earlier in the show about, you know, layer upon layer of negativity in society and trying to get out from under it. Well, some people can't. And, uh, you know, if you have a small company and you were part of the Chamber Plan and you had employees struggling with mental health, as so many people are right now, well, there would be a vehicle for them to get some help. Yep. That's true. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, not only it is, you know, the basic stuff, dental and uh, prescriptions, but, yeah, a mental health element has been added. Even a uh, HR uh, situation, which can be tied to mental health as well. How do you handle uh, people that are struggling and uh, maybe handle people that uh, aren't doing their job? Again, all built in to the Chamber Plan. Check it out today for your small business, chamberplan.ca. Give me a second here. I'm trying to find the... uh, Oh, here we go. Boron One is advancing the next world-class boron project in the heart of Europe. They'll be a significant supplier of boron, a critical element in the current global decarbonization effort. Boron One's low-cost, high-grade, arsenic-free resource is unrivaled globally. How about that? The rapid and steep growth in demand for borats will establish Boron One as an important source for the market. And this is what we've been telling you about for some time now. Have a look at it. Have the Sherpa look at it. Get your Sherpa looking at it. Their operation will need to adopt ethical and effective policies relating to the best practices. They're above board, kids, and they want you to uh, have a look at what they're doing to maybe add to your uh, assets. Uh, This whole idea of decarbonization. Not only that... The uh, amount of boron in electric vehicles exceeds that of lithium. Lithium. <laughs> lithium. Lithium. Anyway, boron1.com. That's where you find them. Boron1.com. I was looking uh, for something I saw posted by uh, this guy out of uh, Stratford. has become world famous, this Canadian named... Uh, Brittle Star. We've had him on the show, uh, Stuart Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's just a good guy. He's, you know, however he came to this position, it's deserved. And, you know, he's a smart guy who just learned how to use this, you know, social media to his advantage. And he's just really, really good at all this stuff and good for him. And uh, I follow him. And every once in a while, he puts up something that resonates with me. And I thought I'd play something that I think will resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across a social media post and thought to yourself, hey, this doesn't accurately reflect me or my life? Well, don't worry. It might not be about you. In fact, it might not even be for you. Studies show that many things posted on social media aren't about or for you. <laughs> Did you know that not every social media post is required to be an accurate depiction of you or your experience and isn't even required to be scientifically or even remotely accurate? of comptrollers agreed on that. And I don't even know what a comptroller is. I just like saying the word. Comptroller. Cool. 
Social media posts aren't even required to tell you that they're maybe not about what you think they're about. Shockingly, you have to figure that out yourself. Social media posts are essentially digital farts. Some are funny, some are offensive, some make you cry, but they're all just hot, stinky air. So next time you think to yourself, this social media post doesn't accurately reflect me, it's okay. This might not be meant for you. <laughs> Even this post. Yeah, smart guy. I don't know how Have old he is. Have you ever come across sorry, a social media post? Out. Yeah, just a smart guy. He figured I, Somehow or another, years ago, he figured this out, and uh, he's doing great. And he's just one of those guys, I find him hard not to like. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't feel... I don't feel anything about him other than just, you know, good for him. He's got a, a book out. We should have gotten him back. Maybe I'll talk to Toronto Mike and see if we can't get Stuart back on the show. He's got a book that's doing very well called Welcome to the Stupid Stupid Apocalypse. Survival. Anyway, survival tips for the Dumbageddon. Anyway, uh, just a good guy. And, you know, good for him. He has 158,000 Twitter followers. And uh, I think he's making, a, he's making a pretty decent living doing all this stuff online. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And how does he make his money? Just with hits, right? Or was he, yeah. did he have sponsors? Well, I think he also does. Well, he's got, you know, like... Mm-hmm. No, I think he, uh, you know, with uh, partnerships and he does a lot of, like... Uh, speaking and goes to conventions and things like that. I, I'm sure it's, I, I apologize if that seems simple. I don't really know. I'm, I'm making it up, but I'm assuming stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dan, we'll wait for Dan to come back, but uh, yeah, true. We did all the Trump stuff. Yes. Uh, today is significant day. Today is uh, August 28th. Uh, trial date could be set. For the, um, which one is it? The Washington one. What did he do in that one? Uh, that Tried to overthrow the government, that one. Oh, Inci- that, incited oh, that, inter- oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> the one where he incited an insurrection and tried to cheat and uh, false mm-hmm. electors and all that shit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something else, too. And just, again, the polarization and the bullshit. And it's, uh, you know, this Greg Gutfeld on Fox, you know, they've moved this show to 10 o'clock and. They've tried to position him as a late night talk show host. Now. Yes. He has the best ratings better than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. It's just so fucking ridiculous. It's again, it's all those geriatric whack jobs just sitting, never, never taking Fox off their televisions. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like it doesn't you can't even compare those numbers. It's ridiculous. But even he and that oh, that ilk, they will ref, they refuse to talk about the fake electors or what he actually did it's still all about the first first amendment yeah, why are yeah. they doing this to mr trump just for questioning <laughs> no i know of the election and it's again you talk about maddening and getting aggravated when you don't need to be but uh yeah it's it's something else and i'm thinking what does donald trump owe you that you're willing to make yourself look like such an asshole obviously you're doing it for money and that's money and ratings great. man good Good for you. Yeah. Wow. There was a, a story, speaking Even of Fox. Even though your country's on the line here. Yeah. You speaking of Fox, there was a story that they ran yeah. uh, claiming that a, a, a Gold Star family, they're called. That Gold Star family, for people who don't know, American uh, military is a, a family that's lost somebody in battle. 
They're, they were killed. And so there's a story they ran claiming this family had to spend $60,000 to get the body of their son or daughter back. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be wrong, false. Mm-hmm. But it, was, it ran for a couple of days, and then they took it off because there was so much backlash. So many people were like, that's wrong. That's not true. Um, and then here's the problem with Fox. They never acknowledged it. They never apologized for it. They just ran it. They took it off. So now there's a bunch of their Yahoo followers that think that that's what happened because of Joe Biden or some bullshit, right? You know what I mean? No, I know. I know. It's uh, as I say, it's nothing. It's not enlightening. It's not um, interesting. It's 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 all it's just all aggravating. Dan. Yes. If you had to pick two, you might want to write this down. Um, Would you pick $10,000 cash immediately, free rent, a brand new home, but you can never sell it, free groceries for five years, or a brand new luxury car, you can never sell it and never own any other car? (laughs) (laughs) Huh. Well, I think oh. I'd have to. Would like you pick uh, ten thousand cash? What would you pick? I think I'd probably go with the uh, free groceries. Yeah. If you can never sell your home, then it's not worth anything, right? Except oh, you get to live in it. Rent, rent. Oh, you get to yeah. live, live in it. Yeah, live but you, it. it's not like an asset because it's uh, you know you just get to live in. But it. I, I want to know who's enforcing this. Like, who's gonna like? Oh, you can never sell your home. That's what Is kills this so, me about this. <laughs> Somebody's so watching husband, you. you can never ever sell it. Somebody's watching you for the rest of your life. Well, yeah. but what, what happens when I die? No one can live in it either. <laughs> Unli- oh, here's one I forgot. Unlimited airline tickets for life. I would take that. I would take that. Oh, yeah, I'd take that. Well, you've sort of had access to unlimited airline tickets for a long time. That was pretty uh, sweet little... Um, yeah, sweet you know. deal, yeah. Yeah, I'm no yeah. kidding. Eh? What was the uh, longest you went? Because Dan's uh, ex used to work for an airline. What was the longest trip you went on uh, in terms of like Japan or Australia? And what did it cost you guys? Like 25 bucks or some shit, right? Uh, well, in the, the, in the airline business, they call it an ID90, which means you pay 90% of, uh, you pay 10% basically of whatever the, the fare is. Really? So, yeah. So like there were some flights. So we did, uh, uh, New Zealand. Um, and that was, I don't, you know, it would have been like a couple hundred bucks. Wow. For New Zealand there and back. That's cool. That's what a cool bonus that would be. I've referenced this interview once, and I believe it was on Smartless with Mark Cuban. Very interesting guy. Mm. The first thing when he got rich, the first thing, the first thing he bought himself. <laughs> at the time, they don't offer it anymore. He went to American Airlines and bought two lifetime passes. Wow! And I, and I think it was something. I think he said it was something like fifty thousand dollars or something. So two tickets for the rest of your life, anywhere you want to fly in American Airlines. And he went and bought that. That was his first thing that he bought for himself and he he said it's funny he still has it to this day they don't offer it anymore Mm -hmm. um and they said so like do you use it and he goes nah i just give it to my my friends my buddies right Mm -hmm. where they want to go it's i guess he would be flying he would be flying on his own jet now well that's it yeah yeah. to me that would be like i've often forget the whatever that powerball is but if you want like a normal lottery of you know something like 30 or whatever million dollars 
that was always my fantasy was like I would get my own plane one that I could fly that was big enough to fly where I would have like a real like a regular pilot and me but not so big like a jet but like a a big prop plane that I could fly to the Bahamas because you can do that or fly to New York or fly to Florida or fly to California but I would always have like a regular pilot with me just in case I got tired and wanted to have a little nap because <laughs> Grampy gets tired now. With that, with that level, why wouldn't you want a jet? I guess I could. You know, you can get a small jet now for three or four million dollars. Sure. You have to spend more time and money uh, uh, training on that. Yes, yeah, you do. Training because a jet's probably a little different than a prop plane, right? Sure, it is. But there's I a guess. thing called a Pilatus that seats about eight people with big uh, first class chairs in it. And it's a prop, it's a turbo prop, but it flies high, you know, and you can fly to. You know, could pretty much fly. I thought I don't think you could probably. I don't think you could fly to London, England, in it. But you uh, could certainly fly anywhere on the continent. You can have a flight attendant in there serving. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Howard, let me ask you this question. You're film Frederick. The pontoon, like you know, the little planes with pontoons. Yes, float planes. Do they have wheels on the bottom of the pond? Some do. Tunes. Some do. Because you know, I. They're I called amphibs. In the Muskoka, how many big, beautiful, multi-million-dollar cottages have these float planes in front of them? So uh, they're flying up from the city. So where do they take? Where would they take off from? Or is, is there wheels on those pontoons so you could leave Buttonville on the ground and land in the water? Is that possible? Or I just uh, maybe didn't hear me say there. They do have some of them. Do have wheels? Those are called amphibians. Amphibians. Oh, so they. Okay. So where the pontoons are. They have wheels that come down just like just like you'd see the wheels coming out of a, a plane, but they come down and they and they're, so they are there. They take off on the pavement and they land on the water. God. Not by the way, not all of them have that. No, okay, but it's po- it so is the, possible. That, that's what made me think. So if they're sitting in front of the cottages, all, all obviously these guys fly up to beat the traffic. And where yeah. are they flying from? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, you explain it. Yeah, the thing that they could be flying, and and I think there are some. That keep them on the water down by the lake, the airport there. I, I, I seem to recall that. But most of them that are coming up there are, are being from Buttonville or from the island or even from Burlington. Mm-hmm. But that's, uh, that's one of those things that it seems like a fantastic idea. And I've often said this. Like, I was never really that thrilled by the idea. You know, I'm, oh, don't you want to fly up north? Like, nah, I'd rather just fly onto some pavement, please. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, the, the lake is... Uh, you know, it's a great idea romantically. It's like, oh, I'll just fly to my cottage. And then my joke always was, yeah. And then some guy's pulling their kids on a banana and, uh, you know, cuts in front of you. Mm-hmm. And all of us are dead. Yeah, like um, our lake, it, you know, it's not that big. Any given Saturday or Sunday, it would be difficult because there's, you know, traffic right up the middle. Like, Do guys ever land lake? in your lake? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a buddy of ours, um, his girlfriend. Remember uh, Vicky's dad? Yeah. He used to land on the lake, so he'd come down and <laughs> well, visit. Yeah, what they'll do, though, is that, you know, if on a lake like yours, they would come overhead, and they would sort of buzz the lake a little bit to let, well, for two reasons. One, to sort of get a sense of, you know, where they want to land, and also to let everyone know, hey, this is about to happen. You know, maybe get the kids mm-hmm. off the tube. Mm-hmm. Move aside, peasants. The rich man wants to land. <laughs> to land his plane. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, but I'll tell you what. Some of the boats on a lake were worth just as much as the oh, plane. 
Oh, I, I know. It's frightening. I mean, some of these basic, like, Carver, sort of, not even big cabin cruisers. Yeah, man. Just nice, you know, good for the Trent Severn are worth, like, $275,000, $300,000, these boats. And you look at them and you think, where is the money? But it's Were you there. here... Were you here when that uh, boat that it, it, that that boat made other yachts like look small? It high grounded across the channel here. No, and, uh, a couple weeks ago, and they no. just uh, it was uh, it was after when Howard watched the uh, the houseboat come in, right. and we had to you know entertain ourselves with that. No, it high grounded on on just a, they went on the wrong side of the channel marker, and and uh, they actually had to get some guys with some. Uh, bladders to to lift the the boat off the rock and then pull it back i understand you mean so some guys it was with, a big cruiser yeah massive. what do you mean when you say yeah. guys with bladders like guys had to come over and just piss on the boat just to get <laughs> it <laughs> yeah they're air bladders they put underneath and yeah, they yeah, pump them it. up i was just being no, stupid right. just being oh, the got a prostate <laughs> problem we need to. that's <laughs> right jokes, jokes I even even i understood the bladder show. i no, not i wasn't sorry dad. oh sorry dan i Piss apologize joke. I just couldn't miss the opportunity for a good piss on a boat joke. <laughs> yeah, while there's you know, lot- sometimes Dan, we get tired of the shit jokes, right? So we got to lean on the piss. <laughs> well, as soon as you said, I thought I didn't realize this was such a serious subject, Dan. I'm pulling. I, even I, an, a nincompoop, understood what the idea of the bladders helping the mm. boat off the. But yeah, up at okay. Georgian Bay, where I've spent a few summers in my time here in the area, there are some really big boats. Those those are the big lake cruisers that are worth you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is more than a, uh, a Cessna one eighty two on floats. Um, I could we you, you know I'm not a hundred percent sure about this. Dave would know, but the the plane that we had which was way less expensive than the boat you just described, you could probably have put... Well, certainly they put that size of plane on floats all the time. Whether you could put the uh, plane on floats with wheels, I don't know. That's a little bit more expensive. Anyway, speaking of cabin cruisers... Here's Dan Duran. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lakeside. He's a little, still a little bundled up for my liking, but he's braving the elements. Here is movie anchorman Dan Duran. Attention is moving from all the forest fires to all the hurricanes and the flooding and stuff. Currently, there's a hurricane called Franklin. It's uh, been moving up uh, in the ocean and, uh, on the East Coast. It's uh, not going to land in the Maritimes as a hurricane, um, but it will be downgraded to a tropical storm. And it will, kind of the fringes of it will, will drop a fair bit of uh, rain on that area by midweek. At the same time, there's another bigger hurricane called Idalia or Idalia, something like that, in the Gulf uh, right now, and it's approaching uh, Florida, northern Florida. DeSantis has called a state of emergency and has returned from campaigning to Florida to, you know, do whatever, you know, governors do, you know, and this kind of thing happens. It, it could hit the state as a Category 3 storm. Um, 
And at this point, it's just gaining energy from the really, really warm waters off the Gulf Coast. And they're talking about maybe being a pretty strong hurricane season this year because of the, how warm the waters are, both in the Gulf and in the Pacific uh, and or the Atlantic Ocean, rather. That'll happen midweek as well, by the way. Yeah, because it's, uh, what is it? Isn't it like hurricane season starting soon down there? Yeah, we're in it now, I think. Oh, just yeah. the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Ron DeSantis, he's a, he's a real interesting character through all this. Eh? Like you can see his, he's just another little man. Um, he was talking about the shootings, uh, you know, the racist shootings in Florida there. And he comes out, he makes a statement yesterday. We're going to be doing some stuff. He uses the word stuff and he yeah. just cut through like. No, I know. It was, we, 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 you know, rather than we're going to be doing some things or we, we're going to uh, take measures. Uh, yeah. He said, we're going to do some stuff. And he says, because some scumbag comes down from <laughs> no. another county. And it was like, what? Like. Again, it's like, uh, you know, that's just street talk, but you don't expect that yeah. from that position at that time, you know? So what Trump's done is he normalized being a dunderhead. <laughs> He's made the world a better place for dunderheads. He really has. Mm-hmm. He's really elevated the dunderhead conversation in this uh, <laughs> last five or six years. I told you this before. When I saw Ron DeSantis, there was a clip I saw, and I mentioned to Dan that it, it honestly looks like an alien from one, from a movie where the alien's like on Earth trying to trying to learn how to act like a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's one of those reptilians. Perhaps he's one of the reptile people for sure, Daniel. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. Yeah. Fog is lifted. Oh, it's coming along it's here. Beautiful. We got the sun now. We got the fog burned yeah. off. Yeah. Do you uh, feel emotionally stable at this point to uh, favor us with a second story? Yes, I do. I want to give you an update. And now with an update, uh, live from the same place he was at the beginning of this newscast. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has not changed. He's still Anchorman Dan Duran. On location, Loch Ness Monster Update. Yay! The leaders of the largest search for the Loch Ness Monster in over 50 years, uh, they they heard several distinctive sounds over the weekend. Now, I don't know if you remember, we talked about this on the show where they were like uh, putting, uh, you know, kinds of uh, sonic gear and all that into the into the lake. They'd never done this before to, to sort of get, you know, the sounds of the, the monster swimming, I guess. But they they heard like four blob, blobs or something like that. Uh, but they forgot to plug in the recording equipment to capture the capture. The oh, did they? So they were doing this and somebody just forgot <laughs> cable, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which, you know, we would never do. No, um, no, because we're, uh, you know, more attentive to such things mm. anyway. So hundreds of people across the world traveled to Scotland hunting for the beast. The mission was known as the Quest, Jesus. and uh, there are some. There's another interesting thing. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Interesting. Investigators are now assessing video footage from two volunteers of something unexplained in the water from Sunday morning. Okay. Something unexplained. Oh. A mystery. I don't know what your guys' uh, level is of interest in the Loch Ness Monster, but mine is very low. I just saw you yawn, so I get it. Yeah. No, no, I just meant overall. Like, so, okay, mm-hmm. my first, one of the thoughts that came to mind when you were talking was, okay, so what are they going to do if they find the Loch Ness Monster? What are they going to do? What are they going to do with it? Well, then uh, mystery solved. And then you can go okay, so, but like, so what happens then? Oh, hey, there's Loch Ness what monster. Do you what do you propose, Howard? You kill it? You pamper it? You fuck it? What? 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. One of those. Hey, we found a Lex Loch Ness monster. I'm fucking it. <laughs> we, uh, but, but no, but what should we do? We, do we go, is there a lot of their rides for the kids? Okay, so mystery solved. Now what? That's my question. Th- that's very intriguing. The, the concept is intriguing. I told my kids the story. Where, the lake that Dan is on, when I was a kid, down around the bay there, every morning there was apparently this big muskie, and it used to, in the morning, come up and surface and roll and go back under. And that became the, the legend of Roly. And I remember this as a kid. Everybody talked. Have you seen Rolly? Have you seen Rolly? And the odd to any little ripple in the water, people had. Oh, that was Rolly. That must have been Rolly. Everybody tried to catch Rolly. Nobody caught Rolly. But I'll tell you, it, it was. It sort of consumed the park, especially kids at that time. Sure. You just stand there in the morning hoping to see this fish. I don't even know if it really existed, right? But it was something. And that's the uh, the thing with this Loch Ness monster. It's. And, you know, the Sasquatch and all that shit. It's it's intriguing. Didn't know we had to include Rolly. But, yeah, there's also the Ogopogo in, uh, in uh, what, the Lake Okanagan. Yeah, and, and I, my yeah. question would be the same. Okay, so uh, we see the Sasquatch. We finally find evidence that it exists. And now what are we doing with it? Are we going to no, fuck I, it? I agree. <laughs> that, that's why you know, you know, and that's why, again, you know, the caper part of me is yeah. it's... In some cases, it's big business, right? They don't want they don't want the Loch Ness monster to ever be discovered or found or captured. Exactly. Um, before we uh, shut her down, as we say, uh, let's talk a little bit about Palma Pasta. They the uh, they they as the sponsors of our email show. We'll be doing that on uh, Thursday again. Uh, did you see the email from somebody who, who could say that they could tell the difference between us taping it on Wednesdays and doing it on Thursdays by it's shorter by about 10 minutes? Doesn't matter. You still get it. Uh, 38 years of delivering quality Italian food from fresh pasta to sauces and prepared take home entrees. Just heat and eat. Four locations, one in Oakville, three in Mississauga, featuring their signature store. I'm going to be dropping by there tomorrow, Palma's Kitchen. Uh, If you can't make it out, order online at palmapasta.com. Palma Pasta, Italian tradition, simply delicioso. Hey, the U.S. Open Tennis Championships begin this week. Uh, Let's look at the the favorites. Novak Djokovic at uh, plus 110, the favorite. Carlos... Alcaraz, second at plus 175. You know, I'm so detached from the sports now. I joke of it. I know, but Alcaraz, sorry. Don't know. Uh, but again, these numbers come from Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich uh, poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Tomorrow, we'll look at the women's side. I can't wait. Uh, tomorrow, Kenny Robinson, a longtime friend of mine and a friend of the program, will be with us. And hopefully you will be as well, Dan Duran. I don't know what your plans are these days. You're very busy, man. I'm very busy, man, yeah. But I'll, I'll be here. Whatever you need me for. You don't have any shitters to install this week? Nope. No shitters on the, on the list. Yeah. Just enjoying my time at the lake right now. This, yeah, this well, is kind of my little summer vacation. My son's here. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's Sweet right. Boy. What are you doing? Are you just hanging around, drinking? Uh, around, what is that yeah. you drink? Tequila and some soda? What is the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tequila, soda with some fresh lime in it. And how did you stumble up? What's that, Freddie? 
I'm not a margarita guy with all the stuff around the thing. Uh, but Dan makes his variation of a margarita, and I had one last week. It was very good. So bitter. I loved it. It was crazy. Very refreshing, I, I bet. Yeah. Where did yeah. you stumble upon this recipe that you were drinking when I was there? Like, I, I don't know. It was just uh, something that sort of came up, and uh, Lisa and I both uh, like tequila, and uh, we, you know, the, I always found that margaritas are just too... Sweet. They're too busy, and they're, and they're just yeah, too busy. Syrup and, yeah. That's a good word. Yes, there's too much going on. There's a frothy yeah, and the salt in the thing and the sweet and the rim. Yeah, so, so it's just uh, you know you got you got uh, three halves of a lime yes. squeezed into the the thing, and then you put uh, a shot of tequila and a shot of um, uh, some orange thing like Cointreau or nice that, and then you. Uh, Three ice cube it, and then uh, fill the rest up to whatever you want uh, with uh, soda water. And now uh, the th- th- it sounds delicious. The uh, three is it? Does it have to be three limes? Three pieces of lime? Uh, well, it could be four, or could I, it be I two? I wouldn't could go, it be I two? Go down to, could be two, but you know you're you're losing your lime. And you're not getting enough enough lime flavor. Okay. Yeah, the lime is the thing that does the nice. Little I mean, I am contradicting myself because that sounds busy too. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on mm. in that one. Yeah, mm. but it's nice. Dan, uh, yeah. not to be you too personal. You can only pers- drink one, but... Not to be yeah. too personal, but do you, ever, do you ever salt your rim? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there also, you go. What? Also, yesterday, I played a little bocce, beach bocce yesterday, and uh, uh, lost uh, lost the uh, Peter Grove Athletic Cup, which is a... What? Cup. Lost it. Yeah. Wait, Darren and the Fred man wasn't there years. for that? No, he wasn't. Oh, I wasn't a defending champ. So he didn't have to be there for that, but he can. Uh, we can challenge. Uh, Wait a minute! I Bruce. thought wasn't this an open competition, or was this like the finals? No, no, it's just no, an no, open this competition. This is different, Howard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Challenge. Sorry. It's a challenge cup. So this, this isn't like the one we used to have, where there was a big tournament. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. This is beach bocce. You know, it's pairs, and if and there's guys that win the cup and they hold it until they're challenged by other guys, and hopefully you beat them. And Dan and Darren were holders of the cup for the past couple of years, mm. mainly because there was no challengers. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's um, funny. Mainly because Fred was not part of the challenge. And but yesterday they were challenged and lost, so now it's up to um, people to challenge them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you, Fred, and I. We should, yeah, uh, you should. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that. I was watching the tour championship yesterday. Yeah. Bruce um, and uh, Yeah, who up, won so. that? Uh, oh, no, Vic, Bruce, a kid named Victor Hovland won eighteen million dollars. He He's very good. He's from Norway. He uh, won eighteen million dollars yesterday. And um, uh, why? Oh, I don't have time. Just look it up. I think they don't pay that. For yeah, they time? do. Yeah, so, uh, for the season for long a single tournament. It's a, it's a, just look it up. I haven't got time. <laughs> Um, I'll find that very interesting once I look that up. Yeah. Golf explaining is not something Harlan's. Well, do. not right now. Not when the show's over. I'll take it up with you guys tomorrow. Uh, thanks so incomplete. Oh, Jesus. Dan, do your this, thing. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. We read all of our emails. We've got that Thursday email show coming up with a Palma Pasta monthly prize humble and fred at humbleandfredradio.com liking and subscribing that helps us out so uh, just writing a review maybe write something nice about it. for humble and fred i'm dan duran 
And remember, Roly the Muskie has never been caught, so leave him alone. Don't empty your bladder in the lake so you can enjoy every goddamn day. Yeah.